everybody, it's Brian, and welcome to episode 23 of Beyond the Rider with special guest, YouTuber, Professional Monkey. We talk about his adventures in the motorcycle community, what he's contributed to this community, as well as um, his lifetime adventures going to Sturgis every year. This is a great episode. I hope you'll enjoy it. Also, a reminder that this episode, as well as the whole Beyond the Rider series, is available on my YouTube channel, Bry the Biker, along with my other motorcycle content. Sit back, enjoy. This is a great episode. So without further ado, let's get into it. Mr. Professional Monkey, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How you doing, buddy? Good. Thank you so much for your time. You're uh, you're like the James Brown of uh, YouTube. You're the hardest working man on YouTube. You're everywhere. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess it's the 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 luxury of working my real job from home and working insane hours. Like they start really early in the morning and they go really late at night. So I'll have a couple hours of dead space in the middle of the day. So I'm like, I'll do a video if, if you think of a topic, you know, whatever. So I think it, it, people think like, do you ever leave the house? I'm like, no, I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> I very rarely leave the house except for the weekends. You only have that room in the garage, right? It's That's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's yeah. Since this whole, you know, little thing happened out there in the world. My my daughter goes to school out in the family room. My wife works in the other bedroom, the other end of the house, is, you know, and then I have this room. And that's just we're like a commune or something here. That That's the worst part. I started working from home like a month before the pandemic. Oh. And then I was like, you know, all these people that are like they can't work. So, they you know, they're getting paid, but they're sort of working like three hours a week. I'm like, how do I not commute to work? I'm like 10 feet from my office. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the cat was really sick today. I couldn't make it in. <laughs> uh, sucks. Yeah. So for those that don't follow your channel, could you just give us the quick elevator pitch? Oh, God. That would imply there's some sort of professionalism or any well, sort of idea behind it. Well, you are the professional monkey. Well, that came from a, an alleyway in Mexico, but that's a story for later. But uh, <laughs> Is that a story I, we're recording? Or not? Yeah, not you sure. can record that one. It's fine. There was no donkey show or anything. Was just, you know, the... Uh, so I, I what what happened what happened was is that in um, 2020 I guess it was on a whim um, I'm a Sturgis fanatic if you watch the channel yes. you do know that I've been going since I was very little since I was like not very little I was 13 and I've gone many many times since then both as a kid on the back of my dad's bike and now as an adult uh, and I just love Sturgis it's my mecca and so my my wife says you should do a Sturgis Stur series on YouTube. This is during the pandemic. You can't do anything else. I'm losing my mind. Sure. She's like she's like you should go do a video about Sturgis. So I wrote an outline, the one organized thing I've done in my life, and I brought her the outline. And she goes, "This is going to take six and a half hours to record. Why don't you do an episode per topic? Where to eat? Where to grab a drink? Where to stay? Concerts?" And I'm like, "Okay." So I did each of those episodes, and they got watched quite a bit. And then I did one called what to not do in Sturgis, how to screw up your Sturgis because I've had bad stuff happen there. Sure. Too. And that one, well, when I was, the channel was new, it got like 5,000 views and I was like, Holy crap. That's like, that's, you know, massive. So I just started doing install videos here and there and decided that because I don't have the ability or whatnot, I would just film it when I screwed up and not edit things out. And I would okay. laugh at myself because that's who I am when I did something wrong and people really liked it. And there were tons of comments and 
And it was a good conversation. Like, oh my God, we're building sort of a community here of people that know each other and reply to each other. And it was just a lot of fun. So that's where it started. And I think I hit a thousand subscribers on February the 2nd of 21. And I have just under 29,000 uh, July 20th today. So, that, so that's a little it, progress. It's, 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 yeah, I, I don't <laughs> know. I'm, really, I'm not a YouTube expert, but I, there's people who say like, that's really crazy growth. So that uh, is, but that's, it's fun. But I think that the thing that's really interesting about your channel and we're, I, I'm dating myself, I suppose, but I feel like it has that MTV real world confessional feel to it. Like, I feel like it's just you. Like if I'm watching you in my office, I feel like it's just you and I having a conversation. And I really like that. I think it's unique. It's you know, fun. It's not... I, I like doing the videos. I like commenting. I read every single comment and respond to most. And it's, it's a blast. I mean, like, and I take the negatives if they're a decent thought. If it's not yeah. just someone being an ass, but if there's somebody who just has some real feedback, I'll go, thanks. And I, and some people have actually saved me like you did this wrong. You know, they, I saw mm -hmm. you do this wrong. I'm like, oh, cool. Let me, you know, let me go figure that out. I just did a video on greasing the hubs on my RV. I leave for Sturgis at the end of July and I have it's, it's 5,000 miles round trip and I have a 36 foot tour hauler. So I, I, I northbound and down hard, like. I always jokingly say, for those who say I'm not a real man because I don't ride to Sturgis, realize that my drive to Sturgis is two and a half iron butts in a row. Yes. Like <laughs> like straight two and a half iron butts is what it would take to get to Sturgis because I can't take enough time off to make it take 17 sure. days. Um, so anyway, so I, 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 I went out and I did a video where I put new tires in a rig and I, and I put fresh grease in the bearings. And a guy said... You did that wrong. You could blow out your rear seals. You didn't, obviously. It's okay. But the way you did that, and I'm like, holy crap, thank you. You know, like there's, I, I take the feedback, you know, but that's the whole point is to have a conversation. Well, and that's the thing that I think's interesting. And we were talking about this earlier. It's right. There's the good and the bad of, of YouTube, right? There's the, yeah. the genuine building a community where, mm -hmm. and some of the best videos that I've had were the engagements, not the, the video itself was, you know what I mean? There, there's no, yeah. I didn't do anything special, but the engagements of people talking to me and, you know, responding, that to me meant more than anything than the, the, any sort of, well, at that time it wasn't even monetized. So it was more than the gain. That to mm -hmm. me was the monetization, if you will. You know, it was the having the yeah. interaction where you can reach out to people and just be like, yo, you know, what you up to? It's, <laughs> it's cool. I've, I've, I've learned a lot. People say they've learned a lot. I've gotten some crazy emails, crazy to me anywhere, where uh, they said, you know, you're, you're really lucky that you grew up on the back of your dad's Harley and that when you were younger, he taught you to wrench on the bike. Not very well because I'm an idiot, but, you know, to do the basics, to maintain your own bike, to not be afraid to go at it with a wrench and a screwdriver and do your own upgrades and stuff like that. Because they say, because I was raised by a single mom, don't have a dad, and I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so I watched this video on such and such. And they like one guy said, I learned I know how to take my saddlebags off my road king now. And I'm like, what? Like that? Like he didn't know how to take the saddlebags off. He was afraid to mess with the bolt, the thumb bolts in there. And and I'm like, wow. I'm like, anytime you have a question, man, like I, I, I may not know the answer, but, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know what I do know. And you realize that people are having a good time and they're laughing. But there are some young dudes out there that are like learning from your videos and my videos and, and other channels that we love videos and stuff. You're like, 
that's pretty sad that you're learning from me, but anything I can help you with, let's do it. You know? Well, you had made a comment about, I forget what video it was, but about talking to the older guy on the knucklehead and, you know, you have an ultra and it's like, you have the cappuccino machine and all that nonsense, <laughs> but we can learn so much from each other. Yeah. And yeah. there's this big, di you know, this big, um, I noticed it, I, you know, like I said, I've only had my Harley two and a half years. I mm. always had metric bikes before that. Mm. And the minute I bought that, I was getting the, oh, well, it's because you're a Harley guy. Really? Because like six weeks ago, I wasn't. <laughs> we weren't born Harley guys. No yeah. one, well, no one our age bracket was born yeah. a Harley guy. You know, we all started somewhere. It's just, it's it's really funny how that, that culture gets to be, uh, I don't know. And it's weird. Like you said, it's, it's it's an inclusive culture, but it's also an alienating culture too, because it's, it's like anything we can, we can argue hand grips for four hours. And you know, it's like, I don't yeah. know who has four it's, hours. It's, it's a grip. It's, we're our own worst enemy. We, we yeah. really are. Like, you know, I, I did a video on the, the older brothers and the young guys coming in and no one's innocent here. Like I, I've said, like, I, we need more young dudes, talking to the gray beards and learning yeah. about bikes and culture and protocol and this, that, and the other, but yet some of the old dudes are, in, are rude to the young guys. So they're not going to talk to you. So it's like, we gotta, we gotta figure this out. Like we gotta talk to each other or, or this culture is going to die, you know? Well, and that's what I thought was really good when you were just doing the MC stuff. I mean, I've, I've, I haven't been around a lot of MC people, but I have been around some, especially one percenters. And mm -hmm. I thought it was really interesting because the people that I've met and it's very, it's been a very limited amount, but they were just bikers. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, but you said there's a protocol and there's respect, but there's respect with being an adult. You know, there's respect yeah. to, to people in general, you know, it's the it, same thing just turned up to 11. Yeah. That's all it is. You know, like, and, and again, growing up around my dad and being a Vietnam vet and hanging out with his kind of uh, folks, which he was not a one percenter. He was not a member of an MC. He was, you know, but he was, very, very tight with all those guys. And we were around them constantly and seeing someone make a mistake, this, that, and the other growing up in it. And then joining my own organization 20 years ago, not my own. I, no, you know, I know. Uh, 20 years ago, um, I've seen a lot of people make mistakes and it's just for me. And I've actually had that role in the organization of being the liaison with clubs and helping people learn how to communicate properly and not properly and don't make mistakes. And this is not, the end of the world. People get really offended at those MC videos sometimes. And it's the only people who get offended are people who are non-MC, non-whatever. People who are actually part of clubs or around clubs said, good stuff. This is fun to watch, you know, interesting, you know, et cetera, et cetera. People who, for some reason, hate motorcycle clubs are just truly offended at the idea that you're supposed to take your sunglasses off before you go up. Well, you shouldn't go up to somebody. But anyway, before you talk to somebody from a club, you're supposed to take your sunglasses off. They're totally offended at that. And I, why? It's now, when, when they were typing, when they were in their Sons of Anarchy shirt. You know, oh, absolutely. All, you know, they're actually, no, I think I think that they probably were beat up a lot as a kid. And that's the problem. I don't know. Like, that seems to be the issue. <laughs> Mom but, got me this computer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, they're, you know, I don't I don't understand it. I don't understand why people get bent out of shape about it. But when I do those, it's for fun. It's for people who know nothing and, and enjoy that, enjoy mm -hmm. learning a little bit about it. Uh, and it's informative. Like, what is a no fly zone? Mm hmm. I had no idea that a lot of people have no idea what a no fly. I didn't until uh, I saw your video. They had no idea what an out bad is like that kind of stuff. But, you know, and it's and also that one was fun because it started a whole bunch of conversation about 
I knew a guy once, like people in the comments section have said, I knew a guy once who was out bad, who tried to join every club in town. But because we have that, we're all able to communicate and go, uh, insert name here is a yeah, POS. You don't bad. want him. You don't want him. So, you know. I think it's interesting. I, I think it was funny too that, that you've done a couple of videos where you're like, if you want to watch an install video, watch somebody else's. I do. <laughs> I like, that was I, really funny because it's. Genuine. I don't know how to do that. You know, like I, I will do the same install that they did, but I don't know how to create an install video. Sure. You know, like, I I can't do that. I'm not. You know, like I, I think that if you if you know how to turn a wrench, you can watch my video and figure it out. But you need to already be able to turn a wrench. Yeah. <laughs> But I watch install videos. I have to tackle the forks on that chopper pretty soon. And I've never done forks before. So I'm okay. watching as a law-abiding biker, I think, has a really mm -hmm. good forks video. And I'm watching his and how to take the forks apart. I do it too. Like, you know, I've done everything else, but never done well, forks. Well, and, and I think that it's, yeah, you, you could spend eight hours filming a four-hour, you know, not even a four-hour, six-minute install. <laughs> Put for, on a for, new for something that somebody else has already done a better job, so why do it? Yeah. That's the no, way that's I look fair. at it, you know. Yeah, because every, everybody sort of gets in that same lane of, you know, doing the same thing for sure. Mm -hmm. So what do, what do you ride? The I ride the Ultra 99.9% of the time. So I have a 2021 Ultra Limited. My wife has a 2019 CVO Road Glide that was my bike. Uh, she used to have an 18 Heritage that she bought new. That was her first bike. Um, and then and then when I got the Ultra, she took over the CVO. Okay. Uh, and then I have a 1990 Sportster that is no longer a Sportster. It is a Paco Chopper that's, <laughs> that now has that, that lower end of the 90 Sportster, but the upper end is a Buell. Um, so it's, it's, but it's, it's what I call it a basket case. It's assembled, but it's a basket case. It okay. won't start as electrical problems. I need to tear the whole thing down and rebuild it, but that's why I bought it was to do that. And then I have a 2014 heritage that just sits there. Honestly, it never goes anywhere. That's fair. You've, you've done something I thought was interesting with the ultras. You're sort of, you're sort of tearing it down and making it your own, which I think is really cool. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Cause I don't, I don't like the look of an ultra. I don't like a geezer glide, but I like the wet head motor and I like a tour pack. So in 2017, I bought a road glide ultra and that was the bike that me and the missus rode together. Okay. And I left the giant ultra geezer seat and everything on it. And we did, we did a lot of, we did probably, well, we did 15,000 miles the year that I rode that one primarily. And it was all organization stuff. And then up at Sturgis mm -hmm. and Leesburg and stuff like that. And then, um, when she started riding is when I got rid of it and got my CVO. And then I was like, man, that tour pack was useful. And man, the CVO rides really rough. That's it's slammed. It's lowered. It's, it's rides more stiff. Like I, when she wanted to, to, to get a, a bagger, she wanted to get rid of the heritage addresser. I made a mistake. I to say addresser. Uh, <laughs> someone's going to say drink. Um, when she decided she wanted to get a dresser, I said, well, just take the CVO and I'll go back to a geezer glide. But then as soon as I bought the geezer glide, I'm like, I sure would like a stretch for her in. I mean, like my brain never quits as far as like what I can change on something. And um, so I, I, I made some changes. I made the tour pack quick release at Van Black offered me their stretched rear end. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. And that just went down the rabbit hole. Once we did that, I was like, what about this? What about that? And now the, the CEO and I are, are pals. Like we, talk all the time about products and new products and maybe stuff we could do. And, and, and so my whole bike is a band blacked out now 
with parts they've given me, and I'm a I'm a fan. I'm a huge. I'm fan. just gonna say um, it. I'm jealous of your rear end. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, right. You like my rear end. No, I like nice, your rear end. I, I have a nice awkward, big rear end. <laughs> Matter of fact, the video that I did on that, I said I Kardashian my bike. <laughs> We uh we affectionately refer to our fight or our bike as Big Fat Fanny because from the back it's just you know it's it's she's a big girl, but you stretch get, through her end it's really going to be a Big Fat Fanny like yeah. I'll tell you what, <laughs> it's but you get spoiled with that tour pack because you're like oh I can just yeah. throw both my helmets in here a couple cameras you know yeah. I did a video today about changing out the hardware because I wasn't happy with its stability mm-hmm. and I changed the pack I bought the hardware off of Amazon. The, the rack and the dock, which oh, was a huge yeah. mistake. Huge mistake. I bought the best stuff on Amazon because it was cheaper than Harley stuff. And, and I just didn't know where else to get it. And it you could move that sucker a quarter inch. At any and that's moment. what I was and afraid I'm like, of. I'm like, I don't, I'm not happy. And um, not to beat the name to death, but I didn't know if Van Black makes that stuff. So they gave me their rack and mm-hmm. dock. And and I it's, it's actually uh, um, not a problem. It's the other end. You have to actually force it on and down and like latch it. So it's like, it's, it's hard to get on and off, but that's kind of what you want. Right. I mean, on your, your 50 pound tour pack with a $700 helmet and whatnot in the back of it, you don't want that sort of coming off. It's funny you say that because my, my Chrome one took a long time to break in, but then I just bought a black one to put on the razor pack. So I have both Evan black uh, brackets on both tour packs the black one dropped right in. So I don't know if it's because it's made to such a tight tolerance. It needs yeah. to work. It's because that's what I was thinking. I'm like, I couldn't get it on the first time. It's like, it's you really have to force it, but I, I like that. I want that sucker to be on there. Like I don't yeah. want that tour pack coming off. And so I did that today, actually did a video on it. And I, and I'm like so much happier. That was actually always in the back of my mind that I'm rolling on the highway. And my tour pack's going to fall off the back of my bike. And that and now, now it's, two grand between everything that was in the tour pack and the pack and the, you know, like, and the damage you caused behind you and the damage you caused and hitting your brother who's riding behind yeah. you. And you know, like I, that's always in the back of my mind and now I'm not worried about it. So I'm excited. My wife that. said that when we bought the bracket, she's like, don't buy one off of Amazon because I'm on the back. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> not only that, right? All right. That's, that's fair. I mean, it's, what's that know. t-shirt. Don't, don't mind it. Yeah. You can read this, but yeah, you don't want that. You don't want that to happen. <laughs> I'm like three hundred hours in parts. Our deductible is one fifty for the ER. I'm still kind of ahead on this. It's it's a wash, really, hon. Sorry, you know. <laughs> she just found out that the uh, tour pack's adjustable as far as front and back. She's like, oh, I can get more room. I'm like, see, now you're spoiled. Now you got like two yeah. tour packs. It's, like, it's and- only like an inch. You can buy the kits that make them go back like four inches, which makes mm-hmm. the whole thing look ridiculous. And if you have an ultra. <laughs> Uh, and, and have the hard mount, you know, where your license plate is up under the tour pack. Mm-hmm. If you move the tour pack all the way back on those sliders, you can actually not pay tolls. Yeah. Because they can't see the plate. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> it's for- funny, even with the um, with the standard mount, I've had that issue where it doesn't pick up. Yeah. And then I bought the, the relocator kit. I was like, oh, see, that's going to cost me more money than I spent. That's going <laughs> to, you know, it's going to cost me all this toll money. <laughs> So you went with the the liquid cooled heads. Now, yeah. so what was your reasoning behind that? Just because it, you're doing more touring miles? Because see, that's where I, in my head, I want a road glide special because I love the look. Mm-hmm. But I know how, the lower fairings you get spoiled. I don't have to tell you that. Like it's yeah. So it it, it, it was lower fairings because we ride in really bad storms down mm-hmm. here. Uh, I, I did a short video. It was kind of funny because that's just normal riding down here as you get caught 
in a squall or a whatever. And, and you're just like, I'm going to either drown or get blown off the highway. One of the two. Mm-hmm. So you really want to have lowers if it's an option. And just the idea that a wet head has a longer life. Okay. You know, like it's, it's, it's the top end of the motor stays cooler. If you're also doing that sort of rally parade duty kind of stuff, when you're slow and it's hot, the fans kick in, pull heat out of the motor. And it's just, it's just having a, a better temperature control, you know? So, um, and, and I was like, well, if I buy a street glide, I knew that I was going to want a tour pack. I knew I was going to want lowers. I'm like, well, just buy the ultra and make it. An, and I also and thought it'd be it. more interesting to buy an ultra and strip it than to buy a street glide and add to it. I don't, to me, that was more interesting, but. Well, no, and, and I don't know why it is. Maybe it's because it has the passing lamps, but it, it, yeah. I I didn't think I'd like the bike with the with the rear end naked, but with the lowers. I, I thought that would be a weird look, but I I grew to love it the second it came off. The second the tour pack came off, yeah. I'm like, I love this. This is all right. Stretch the stretch the rear end, and it makes sense. Like it looks better with lowers and a stretch rear. You're like, just it, trying it to spend sense. my money. Stop. stop. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it really it looks cool. I like it a lot. <laughs> All right, so. I'm gonna tell my wife we need to work on my rear end. <laughs> squats. We got to stretch it out. We got to stretch that rear end out. I need a bigger booty. <laughs> That's funny. So I will um, say the funny thing about the quick release thing, though. I put the quick release on the tour pack. I took it off, and I was like, "Wow, that looks so cool." But then I always need it, so I put it back on, and the tour pack never comes off the bike. All that, all that effort, and it never comes off. I was surprised at how light that bike felt without that on. Like it, it's for me, at least it felt completely different. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't have all that top end weight. Of course, it's probably because I have it packed to the gills, but you know, that might be it. I mean, it could be <laughs> with all the rain gear that I a hundred pounds up there. Yeah. That's going to mess with your handling a little bit. <laughs> we, we did a, a 13 day trip on it and I wasn't in my head compensating for taking all the gear off the bike, the Rick rack and all that. So then we're out mm-hmm. riding and I'm like, how come my spine hurts? Like when we hit like a little teeny crack in the road, I'm like, Oh, it's because the suspension's all jacked. Cause you have completely overloaded the motorcycle beyond yeah. its. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. They, they so have then when everything comes off, it's like the suspension's <laughs> like this, you know, you gotta put it back. Oh, what Ultras mess. actually ride an inch higher from the factory to compensate for that. And still, you know, if you, if you put 60 pounds in the tour pack and another 30 on the lid and then fill the bags, and put a passenger on it. Not that I'd recommend doing that, <laughs> or I've done it. <laughs> you you are just riding on the stops, you know. Like <laughs> you have no, you're riding a rigid, basically. You know. I uh, I got my money's worth out of my uh, my legend suspension. That's for sure. I had those yeah, right? cranked hard. <laughs> that's funny. So, what are your plans to do with it? I mean, are you gonna are you gonna keep sort of customizing it out? You're going to put a 22-inch wheel in the front, something crazy? Or? Yeah, oh, no, a 38. No. 38? Um, Damn. No, is it, <laughs> no the, 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 I'm thinking what I want to do. I do want to put wheels on it because I want chrome wheels. Okay. I like chrome. I like black and chrome and then certain other colors. But I like yeah. solid colors and chrome. I don't know, whatever. You, don't okay, know that's old school. I get it. Yeah, and and uh, um, so I do want to put a 21 on it. Anything beyond that, and and you kind of lose some handling characteristics. I, there's a dude out there right now going, "I have a 36, and my bike rides fine." No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it does not. Like you, you can tell yourself that all day long. It don't. Um. Uh, anyway, so I, I'd like to put a 21 on it, chrome, and then the chrome rear wheel, and then I'd probably change the fender to a wrap fender. Oh, that would just because nice. it kind of accentuates the the 21. Sure. 
Um, I'd like some kind of seat. I, I run my my wife's stock CVO seat that came with the Road Glide because it sits low and back. Mm-hmm. I'd love to find a more comfortable low riding extended reach seat. I haven't found one yet that I'm crazy about. Um, so I don't know. That's that's is I, the, someone needs to make one. Is the CVO still a hammock seat or sort of? A no, no, no. Seat? Remember, my CVO Road Glide is not an Ultra. It's so it's a really oh, so it's slam. the low seat. Okay, yeah, it's the it's so it's it's the perfect riding position, and it is a good seat. The padding they use is, is good quality, but there's still just not much seat there. So basically, what I want doesn't exist. Okay. I want a comfortable low and extended reach seat. Uh, and I haven't found one yet. Because so. I had the hammock. I got rid of that and I got a Mustang Touring seat, the Super Deluxe. That's mm-hmm. a really comfortable seat. It really is. It's, it, it sits, for me, really high, though. Okay. So I can it, see it's, that. It's, yeah. It's, it's a touring seat. You know, it is what it's supposed to be. It's a good seat. As a matter of fact, my wife runs a Super Tour Solo on the CBO. Okay. Which is the same seat as yours, just a one-piece solo seat. And it is it is very high and forward. So... That seat's funny because my wife sits on it and goes, this is terrible. It's too hard. I'm like, yeah, but give it a few hours. It'll be real yeah. comfortable. It breaks <laughs> that, in under you. you know. Well, that and the problem I had with the hammock was the, um, you know, and I probably should have realized since it's called a hammock, you're floating, but you tore on that all day. I just felt like I was getting beat up with that constant, <laughs> you know, you're just, you're just doing this all day. Bobbleheading down the highway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's not, I, uh, I hear that's a good fan. seat. That's what George from Baggers and Brews runs a hammock seat, I think. I, but again... It I raises you an inch over even like yeah. an ultra seat. Yeah. I think it's a good seat as um the term I would use would be like a bar bike. Like if you're going out but you're not crushing big miles, yeah. it's comfortable. But I feel like once really? you're in the saddle all day, I didn't find it as comfortable. Huh. But it took me a while to figure that out because huh. of I guess because of that bouncing, it just felt like it wore me out. But again, that's yeah, me and it. I'm a bigger guy. So I don't if you're know, doing this all day, yeah, it's gonna get old. But I don't <laughs> But again, it's kind of like what works for you work doesn't work for me. It's like windshields right. and, and bars, you know, like, I don't know. I love the people that are like, what size bars are those? Yeah, but you're not me. You yeah. know, it's like there is no right size bar. There there really isn't. It really depends on you. It's kind of like bikes. There's no like, oh, the best bike is or the old. Oh, my God. You've heard this. Many the times. Internet would argue with you. There is the right. bike. <laughs> oh, perfect. It's whatever one that person writes. Right. So they, the old bat wing versus shark nose road glide versus street glide like fight. And it's like you realize that they're both great. They are different. One is not better than the other. You know, like I own both in my garage right now. There is both and both have strong points. So, well, that one is not better than the other. And we talked about saying that I go, what, what would you say is the weakness between the two? Because everyone For talks me, about the road, the, the road glide's weakness is how far out the fairing is. Okay. It's it's way out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you actually can only control the stereo from the hand controls. That's not a big thing, but it's a thing. I mean, like you'd be really reaching to screw that screen. Uh, number one. Number two, in severe weather, like we ride in all the time down here, the weather goes around the shark nose and then into your face. It really, you for, for, for severe oh, okay. rain protection, it's really far in front of you. The, the shark nose cuts the wind way better. Like it, it, it's it, it's more aerodynamic. You can roll on the highway to 110 better on a shark nose than a bat wing because there's no influence on the on the forks. You know what I mean? Like it, you okay. just scoot like a laser. Um, but the bat wing uh, is close to you. So severe weather, it, it, by the time it goes around the fairing, it's behind you also. 
That's 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 my experience. That's also, the best argument I've ever heard. Because uh, seriously, and, I didn't. Yeah. Everyone talks about the pluses, but never the minuses. I'm sorry. And something else you said? No, no. I, I was saying you can get small behind the batwing. You can crouch down and get under that fairing way better than you can a shark nose. So okay. uh, I'm, I'm talking about this from a lot of rain riding because that's what we do down here a lot. But that's a lot of it. And but it's a Harley. You should never be in the rain. It's no, a CVO. Well, I mean, not if you ride in Florida. Uh, that's just that's just life. That's just life. But also, right? I I think that that this is just cosmetics. I do think the Batwing is better looking. Okay. Than the Roguelike. That's just preference again. Um, but almost everyone agrees that we've talked about this that the dash is prettier on a Batwing. You know what I mean? Like the gauges are right front and center, and it's just a, it's sort of a nicer place to be than the look that you're seeing. When you look at a Roguelike. So. Um, that's just preference, but yeah, because the thing that I don't like on the ultra is that for me with a full face helmet, I can't see the GPS. I have to look down to see it. And you have a Batwing, right? You have an yes, ultra. I have an yeah. ultra. Yeah. So yeah, I can see that. Sure. And it, but it's it's one of those things, like you said, and and I don't think the argument the argument applies to anything in in life, right? There's no right answer. It, it's yeah. what works for because I rode a road glide was the first touring Harley I ever rode. I took one out for a demo. I still remember the guy gives me the keys and goes, "Just come back with it." I'm like, "Um, I've never ridden <laughs> anything this big, and I don't know where I am." He's like, "It's it's Figure cool." It out. Like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> I couldn't get the GPS to. Um, I don't know what the technical term is, but where it's pointing the direction it's going. So while oh, it's yeah, telling yeah. me how to get back, it was like sideways. So I'm like trying to like <laughs> think it out. Like I'm just Who's gonna this going in circles out there. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> ruin this poor guy's bike. <laughs> That's an interesting argument. I never would have thought about that because you would have the more protection. See, for me, I kind of felt like it was roomier. But again, it's been two and a half years since I rode one. I may ride one and think it's crap now. So I don't, you know. In my it's, head, it's, I like the idea. And there are days, and again, again, this is like, what do you like today versus tomorrow? Mm -hmm. There are days where I ride the misses, the my old CVO, and I go, man, I miss this bike. You know what I mean? Because it because it does ride low, and the suspension is stiff, and the bar. I have fourteen inch Carlinis on it, which are closer in together, and and, and because the these. It feels more, I, I can't describe it. I don't know. Someone's going to make fun of this. You're sitting lower in the bike. You're riding slammed. It's it's just a more intense experience riding that bike. And then I get on my geezer glide that I call Johnny Cash. And then I go, yeah, but there's things about this I like more. So it's like, there's really, it depends on your mood, you know? Yeah, I got 12s on mine and I should have went higher because I made the mistake that I told myself I wouldn't do. I got the bars, got the suspension, then got the seat. I should have yeah. got the seat, then the bars, but you know, because it's funny. Your sitting, sales guys like, oh, 14s are seat. too big. You don't want 14s. I'm like, well, I wish I would have listened to me and not you, because <laughs> it would have yeah. worked I, out a lot better. I almost got 16s on yeah. on on the on the the ultra, and there are days where I'm like, man, the 16s would be cool because they're they're fun. It's a fun riding position. It feels good on your back for around town. But those days where we are running to Tampa and back or Orlando and back, you know, 500 miles up, you know, 250 up, 250 back. 16s would probably wear on you more than a 14. So I guess what I got, I have 14 inch KSTs okay. on the, uh, on the ultra. And, and I think that's any more than that would be tiring, you know, on a long distance. You know? I got you. Yeah. And that's, uh, 
it's funny when I got my 12s, I felt like I had, I felt like my arms were like above my head because it just felt so different. <laughs> I was like riding it. I'm thinking, man, this is cool. Like, you know, I got like the, uh, the, um, oh, what's the Latino style bike? The, um, a cholo uh, bike. Yeah. The cholo bikes. That's what I felt like I had. Meanwhile, my arms are only here, but it felt <laughs> so high versus stock. I am so cool right now. Yeah. Like <laughs> soccer moms are looking at me. I'm like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> All I needed was the spoked wheels and the fishtails in the back. And oh, was, yeah. You know, I had a cholo. I, I used to have a 95 Heritage uh, oh. Nostalgia, and it had, I can't remember the length. I had uh, fishtails on it and stuck out the back of the bike about a foot. <laughs> and and it was and it was an evo so it sounded so good you know it was it was such a cool bike but because the fishtails make it louder right it's it changes it the tone sound? it makes it crack really loud it's it's to me it's a uh, cool sound i like it a lot but these were also uh inch and three quarter fishtails they were old school tight smaller so it's just loud as hell <laughs> oh <laughs> man that had to be fun to ride yeah, yeah. So it was what slow was your, as hell too. So uh, you mentioned about riding with your dad as a kid. So what was that first Sturgis experience like? Oh my! And that God. had to that had to be insane. I my father was a terrible father. That's what I always say. Like even though he's my <laughs> my best pal, I look back and go, the things you did with me are not. That was not. I can't believe you did that. Anyway, <laughs> and uh, I was 13 years old, and we borrowed a pop up camper from his best pal. He was in the car business. So we took a pickup truck off the lot. Like we didn't even own a truck and we put his sportster. So back in the, in the, in the late eighties, early nineties, my dad's not very tall. He's only five foot six. And he rode a sportster because that was the best height, you know, for him back then. Okay. And my dad's a speed demon. He's always been insane on in a bike. He loves to do a whole shot, a burnout, like fast you can go. And back then, that was the fastest that Harley was, bike, was a Sportster yeah. by by a lot, not even just a little bit. So he always bought Sportsters and did some engine work to them to make them insane. And that was what we rode long distance was a Sportster with motor work. Wow. Um, so we put the Sporty in the back of this pickup. We pulled the the, the, the pop up when we stayed at Glencoe. Glencoe, back then, things have changed. The Buffalo chip was wild and Glencoe was more mild. Um, we set up the pop up camper. I'm setting up the tent also because we're going to put the bike inside a tent next to our camper. That's how obsessed with dad was trying to keep the okay. girl. Uh, so I'm setting up the tent to get this ready. And, and dad says, I'm going to run and grab some ice. So he goes up to get ice. I'm 13 years old. A group of six one percenters pulling next to us with 22 year old supermodels on the back of their bikes. And I'm setting stuff up going, wow, this is cool. I'm setting stuff up. I look up. All their tops are off. Like it's like the the party has begun. No one is wearing clothes. Everyone's just partying hard. And I'm like, what? You know, your brain at 13 is cannot process this. Like I, you know, so the, this is honest God true story. My dad loves to tell the story. At that point, all the guys took their lawn chairs up to the main drag, and they all had cardboard signs that said, "Show us what you got," or you know, whatever. He comes back from getting his getting nice, and his 13 year old son sitting in a in a chair next to the guys with the cardboard sign. Like, and, and he just comes back and goes, what in Sam hell are you doing? And then a car, a, a bike goes by with a topless chick on it. He goes, "Never mind, I'll be back in a second. Let me go put the ice in the cooler. And, you know, and that was, you know, bonding. And then, um, later that trip, I don't know how rated are your, your, your program is. So uh, I don't want to, you be, know, let it go where it goes. 
So okay. I guess what we're saying, though, but the disclaimer should be we're not offering parental advice. No, no, this is I would never do this if I had a 13 year old son. Like, you know, I would, you know, so but we went later that week to see the Doobie Brothers at the Buffalo Chip. Oh, that had to be fantastic. Oh, it's freaking amazing. You know, I've always I grew up on acid rock and 60s rock. My dad's a Vietnam vet. That was oh, I love heard. the Doobies. Yeah. CCR, Doobie Brothers, uh, uh, later ZZ Top, things like that. That that kind of classic rock style. So we're, we're at the chip. Watch the Doobie Brothers. As my dad and all of his friends are around me in a circle to make sure that I'm safe because fights were breaking out back then. Not anymore. It's safe and under control, but things were a little rough in the 80s or the 90s. And um, I and you can ride your bike up to the stage at the Buffalo Chip and watch the concert from sitting on your motorcycle. <laughs> Only time on earth you're ever going to sit and watch a concert on your bike. And I could look over to the left and I could see in the crowd something going on. Something weird was happening to the left. There was just a crowd of spectators in a circle. And I can't figure it out. And I grabbed my, my dad's best buddy, Daryl, and said, what's going on over there? And Daryl very nonchalantly leans back, looks over and says, oh, that chick's going down on that chick over there on that motorcycle. <laughs> and then goes back to watching the concert like nothing had happened. Like that was just normal every day. That was just a Welcome Monday morning for him. I didn't look at the stage again the rest of the night. I sat there and just stared in that direction and and watched, you know, everything unfold, oh, literally. That's and, hysterical. And I always tell dad, I go, you made me like this. My obsession with going to Sturgis and partying hard and riding all day and then going to the campgrounds and going to concerts and whatnot. I'm like, you made this monster. So don't give me any trouble. So so, so I guess it's safe to say that it's it's changed a bit. I've it, never it's, been, it's, but from what it's I've still seen, a lot of fun. You talk about. it's just it's just under control more. And some of that's good. Some of it's bad. Mm -hmm. uh, the chip is now a mega complex that does. I don't even know what kind of business. I mean, like it's just it feels like there's a million people there. I don't know how many are actually there, but it feels like there's it's a city of its own. Um, and I understand this. If you have that many people, much less bikers and a confined space drinking for 12 days, you You've got issues. to have security and rules and they don't like having rules. They always say that, but there's these dudes that are South Dakota farm boys wearing cowboy hats and Buffalo chip vests on four wheelers. And they will appear out of nowhere. Yeah. And, and you don't, you don't want to fight. They're corn fed. They're nine feet tall. Like they're just giant dudes that will show up and handle anything that happens. So, um, but the, the flip side of that is, uh, they've cracked down on the nudity. They've cracked down on the crazy wildness that Sirtis was known for. Mm -hmm. um, and oddly enough, you can go to Glencoe across the street and that's where there's no rules. Like they don't, I've never seen any security at Glencoe. Like they just, whatever you want to do, you can do. So it sort of just, just flipped at that point. It has flipped over the years. Yeah. It's interesting. We stayed at Glencoe last year and um, Jasmine Kane is one of my favorite musicians. She's, she's a biker famous. She does all the, the rallies and stuff. She's great. Her husband, Kevin, said they were riding through the campground and saw a woman that was passed out on a lawn chair with her ankles tied to two trees so that the sun could hit her undercarriage just right. <laughs> and tan, like, and Kevin said, we stopped. Like, we couldn't process what was happening. So we stopped to look for a minute, like, is that is that what I think is happening right here? <laughs> And Jasmine says, do you think she knows that she's doing this right now? Or is this intentional or, you know, but yeah, no, Glencoe's wild. That's uh, yeah, that's, 
So it's it's the uh, the easy rider life. It's, it it yeah. still is there. Yeah, it still very That's much crazy. is. There's there's a main drag in Glencoe. Um, I don't know what words I can say and not say. That's the alley. Okay, it's Titty Alley is is what it's called. And that's what it is. Every night, all night during the rally, you just sit there and watch people go up and down. And, and you would almost think in this day and age that doesn't exist, you know, because that's the quintessential biker, what yeah. people would think of, of Sturgis. And, it, and it, that's still very much alive there, the alley at Glencoe. And even though we're staying at the Chip for concerts and for um, a million reasons, we just really like the Chip. Um we will still go to Glencoe and buy an eight-hour. Glencoe's the only place in Sturgis that does an eight-hour pass. You don't have to buy the whole rally. Okay. And for like 25 bucks, you give me your driver's license and your credit card, and you better pick it up within eight hours. And if you don't, then they charge you for the whole rally. You know, but okay. So you can show up at say 7 p.m., check in, and then you've got an eight-hour pass to party, and then you better get out and get your stuff and get out of there. So they know you're not staying there. But yeah, we'll do that at least once, if not twice, during the rally, just to go to the alley and hang out and make friends and, you know, say hi to people. Sure. And I, th I think it was you that was saying this, that I, and if it wasn't, I'll, I'll just quote you anyway. We'll make it up. Yeah. That um, that social media sort of ruined that. I would think that that experience oh, has yeah. to, now that with social media, it's... Uh, it's, well, we all know it's a devil and a, you know, a help at the same time. The, the, the freaking cell phone camera, in my opinion, has destroyed a big part of this culture. You used to go mm -hmm. to rallies and just, you know, anything goes, you, you could, you know, and not, and I'm not just talking about various levels of clothing. I'm just talking in general, but everywhere you go and what you do at these sort of events, you've got to worry about somebody videoing you and taking photos of you and then uploading it and sharing it on websites. And then, you know, the monkey and, exposed. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not sorry about myself because who the hell no, didn't take a picture of this this guy? But if you are a a a woman who has always liked to let loose, that one week out of the year, you can do whatever you want to do, and you you work really hard, and you have a family, and all this other stuff. But for that one week, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. They do that. Someone takes a picture of them or video of them. It goes on a website. Their boss sees it. Yeah. Somehow, and then now it's destroyed your life, and it's just like. There's a thing in, in Alzada, Montana called Topless Tuesday. It's been around forever where the bartenders go topless for one day a year. And it's people come from three states away to, to, to go to this. And it's a blast. But when you go, the tragedy is they have a stage set up and an enclosure and outside beer tubs. And the, the women working the beer tubs are not wearing clothing. And it's, it's just a good old biker party. But you cannot look anywhere without seeing 17 cell phone camera screens where everyone's documenting, photographing and videoing everything. And it's even the people that are doing it, I think, would be OK with them saying that's it enough. Yeah. No more pictures, no more video, because it's it's ruining this. Like, mm -hmm. leave your phone and your bike. You know, don't don't take pictures, don't take video. And I think that. 99.9% .9 of the people that go to that event will be fine with that. Just enjoy, cause you enjoy yourself more when you're not worrying about whether you got the picture or got the video or how close, just, just sit there and watch and, and don't worry about it. Well, you know? and, and that's, I was talking about this the other day with someone that I feel like you said, that's the good and bad, right? Like everybody wants to document everything they do or every ride they do. And, I feel like that takes away from the experience, right? Because just because I can't send you a picture didn't mean it didn't happen. Right. 
you know, and, right. and everybody's worried about, oh, I have to capture every ride and have eight GoPros. And I'm like, yeah, but sometimes that's fun. But other times, you know, I know I'm going to get the haters and say I shouldn't do this, but I want to throw my half lid on and just roll, you know, yeah. and just. I don't film any of my rides. You know, I you, think you, that's the way to do it. I, I film very, very, very few rides unless According I have to social to media, though. You're not riding. a rider because we yeah. can't see it. Right. But, but it's, 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 my thoughts are my rides are for me. That's my untie my knots, decompress, mm-hmm. you know, fix things in my head kind of thing. And if I have to put a camera and a microphone and then think about what I'm going to say, it ruins the entire experience. Uh, also the organization we ride with, we can't video anything. And that's about sure. 80% of our writing. So it's, it's, it's just the way it is. Like there are good writing channels out there. You should go watch them. That's the way I always say. Like that, that's not what this is. No, um, and I think that that's fair. But I, I think it's it's funny because you hear the argument of oh, but you know we don't see we don't see X ride, so they really don't ride. It's like does it matter? You know what I mean? Like I don't. To me, I didn't buy the motorcycle to prove anything. I didn't buy right. it so I can show you. Look, I did X or Z. Yeah, like you said, it's cool to watch an Adam Sandoval or people that travel. And do this amazing work, but I'll watch theirs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's right. There's times where I it's mean, fun, it, but I also have a super intense job and a child. So do you want to watch me raise my daughter and work hard too? I mean, you know, like yeah, we all have things we have to do besides these YouTube channels. If it's not your job, if it is your job, more power to you. I, I like those channels also, but this year at Sturgis, is we'll, we're going to do some ride videos, but it's because I bought a clamp. I'm going to put the camera on the handlebar and plug it in. And I'll and I'll run a mic into my helmet on certain parts where we'll let's say we'll do needles, you know, one way and I'll record it and I'll talk through it a little bit. A lot of it's just going to be motor sound and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then on the way back to the camera is going to be put away because that's for me, you know, the right the right back. Um, but people that are obsessed, I'm like, if you want to see my odometers, I'll show them to you. But you're freaking weird. Like, that's really weird. Like. <laughs> There are three bikes in the garage right now. They have 26,000 miles on them between the three of them. And um, most of that is the 19. So do I, do I meet your approval? It's kind of like, is that really, is that really what you want? You want to see my odometer? That's fine. You know, but my middle finger comes up real fast when that conversation comes up. No. And and that's, (laughs) you hear that argument a lot. And I guess I've heard it more lately. we kind of touched on that before this, that there's some sort of um, machismo, whatever you want to call it, that it's this this us against them sort of mentality, right? It's if you're a YouTuber, you're not a real biker. If you're a biker, you're not a YouTuber, like whatever. It's just, I don't know. I just started this on a whim because I thought it was fun and I wanted to learn. And like you said, am I I doing a a Whit Mesa? Am I, you know, doing all the states in 10 days oh, 48 no. and 10 or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. she's badass yeah, yeah. Have I and, done- I, and i and i lift those people up man that's badass yeah. that she did that um but i have a little kid what what am i what am i gonna do just abandon my child and go do off and do that like you yeah, know that's like- what i'm saying i have my kid every other weekend i ride when i ride you know what i mean <laughs> but to your point that's that was my decompression time that was the time where you know you're just kind of in the wind yeah, yeah. It, it's uh that exhausting that's for me can- clear out your issues quick yeah my rides are for me and for that organization and i can't film that so there you go there you um, go. but it's 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 there'll be a lot of ride videos during service but that's because i i feel like i wouldn't be 
I don't want to say doing my job, but for the, for the, the fans of the channel and the viewers of the channel, people I talk to, I, for those that can't go, I feel like I do owe them that. Like I owe them when I say iron mountain roads, an amazing ride. I, I feel like I want to share that with them. I want them okay. to see it. So I, I will definitely record that at least once, but not every day, you know, like, no. I, you know, um, we'll put on probably depending on the year, the weather between 1200 and 2000 miles while we're up there. And that's, um, you got to think about it. Speed limit is 35 mile an hour. Most places. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, you know, a buddy of mine just did the tail of the dragon from here. He rode from here, did the tail and rode back. He was gone for 10 days. He only did 2,100 miles. Mm-hmm. And, and that was including the travel to the Carolinas and back. We go up there and we put on 1,200, 2,000 just doing rides up there, mm-hmm. which to me, it's like, I'd rather do that than just freaking on the highway doing 80 staring at the horizon for 17 hours. That's just my, my preference, but what do I know? I've only been well, doing this and, and a I long think that, time. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are those days where it's, it's good to kind of to, to crank it out on the, and throw down some miles just sometimes to clear your head. But yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a really nice therapy at 80 miles an hour, you know, on a good there day. Really is. You're just, there's no, no traffic. That was the great thing about the pandemic going down to the shore and there's nobody there and you're just rolling well, through the pine cool. barrens. It was great. Yeah. That would be cool. We did. The funny thing is we, we rode more than ever before the pandemic because of the organization. So we ride the average member rides between 10, 10, 12, 15, even up to 20,000 miles a year. And, and 80 to 90% of that is business of the organization. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's your, most of your writing is that then the pandemic hit and our business stopped. So we serve kids that have been abused in our cases there are, are referred from DCF courts, you know, counselors, therapists, all that sort of stuff. As soon as the pandemic hit, no one was going to have a bunch of bikers come around a child. Yeah. You know what I mean? So referrals stopped. So our, our work stopped. And the weird thing is we were so conditioned to spend all of our time doing those rides and those events and that work that we didn't know what to do anymore. So like there were, there were so many days where several of the the brothers and sisters would go, we should just go on a ride. And we're all like, how do you do that? (laughs) None of us remembered what it was like to just go for a ride. And so we would ride around Lake Okeechobee. That's the thing you do here in, 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 in Southern Florida's it's a nice, decent ride around the lake. So we'd pack a cooler cause nothing was open and you couldn't sure. go in and, you know, you'd pack a cooler, fill your tank and we'd go in a circle around the lake, but our riding just dropped by two thirds, which yeah. is the exact opposite for a lot of people. It was really weird. Well, it was weird here because you couldn't, like you said, nowhere was open. Mm-hmm. So you go ride and you're like, okay, but we're just literally never getting off the bike. <laughs> we'll be lucky. You, you couldn't even get gas. gas. Yeah. There were a lot of gas stations that weren't even open. So you had to you had to plan, you know. There was one ride we went on, uh, me and the wife and a really good friend who's a senior boss in our organization. We went for a ride and we hadn't prepared and we had nothing to drink, no food, almost ran out of gas. Like it was miserable, <laughs> but we laughed the whole time. Like we next time we'll know you need a cooler and you know whatnot. But there better not be a next time. <laughs> not no yeah. more pandemic. Yeah, no, no, no. It's we're we're getting back to normal, yeah. <laughs> we're trying to down here anyway. So looping back, and I, I forgot to mention what we were talking about. You're doing two meetups at Sturgis? Yeah. 
Um, my, my wife arrives because of our daughter. She can only, she has to like fly in a few days and fly back. She is a saint. She allows me to have the full Sturgis experience and go like, it's not allows. She wants me to do this. She knows it unties my knots and it's my thing. Um, she is flying in on the third. I arrive on the second. She flies in on the third and then has to head back out on the eighth. So she's only there for five days. Okay. So on the fifth, which yes, is before the rally starts, but that's when she's there and can do this on the fifth. Um, she is, she and I are going to go to the big engine bar at the Buffalo chip, which is outside the gates. So anyone can go. And at 6 PM, we're just going to hang out and have beers with anyone who wants to show up. And I, I did a poll on YouTube just for shits and giggles. And like 75 people said they were going to come on the fifth. Uh, and then we're going to do another one on the 11th at the beaver bar and the beaver bar is the giant white tent on the main drag okay. next to Glencoe, but also by, by the chip. The reason we chose that area again was because the night of the 11th, when we're doing this is the night of ZZ top. Oh, so we nice. feel like most people are going to be in that area that night, but 6 PM at the beaver bar, we have more than 110 people that say they're going to come to that. That's and awesome. that's from a poll. So the, I would imagine the number is a lot bigger than that because people aren't going on YouTube and voting on polls, you know, but we'll see, we're just going to have a bunch of beer and have a good time. But um, we'll also be on the 6th. It's not our event, so I haven't been talking about it. The World Record Poker Run, which I'm sure you've heard about. The Badgers are, are running that. That ends at the Buffalo Chip on the 6th. And they're having a an arrival party from 4 to 8 at the Chip. I'm not sure of the exact – I'm probably the big engine bar, but I'm not exactly sure. But okay. we'll definitely be at that, too, to congratulate them. But that's not our event, so that's why I haven't been talking about it. That's I got thing, you. You know, like – but we're going to be there because I want to say, you know, shake Sonny and Mrs. Badger's hand. And they're bringing That's their 21 awesome. year old daughter. Their 21 year old daughter has been riding for a while. She's got miles under her belt, but she's doing the world record poker run. She's 21 years old. That's really cool. That's cool. I mean, on her, on a V rod. So there you go. That's cool. Goes to prove, right? You don't have to have a touring bike. You can, no. if, you, if you want it bad enough, you can do it. Well, she's also a lot younger and skinnier than you and I. So, well, that, yeah, I that's mean, probably true. Okay. A kid that age can tour on a Sportster. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I always I always think that argument's funny, especially with the younger kids. It's like, oh, but I don't have a touring bike. Yeah, but I had a scooter and I rode further than that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that, that, that comfort requirement thing increases as you get older and more rotund. You know, like it, it, I need more. I need more comfort. I think it's funny when the bike is the limitation. It's like, I think there's more limitations than the bike here. You know, like you're just... yeah. I, I, uh, I think that that's funny. It's always the argument. Oh, you need the, you need an M8 or you need, you know, you need this, you need that. If you're going to do X and you're like, I don't know if you want it bad enough, you can do it on anything. We did a lot of distance on my dad's sports when I was a kid. So that's good. Uh, but cool. he's, he's a hard ass. So it was, it was, I look back and go, I don't know how he did it because he was my age then. You know what I mean? And, 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 and with a passenger, you know, like, and we, we did uh, several hundred mile days, two, 300 mile days regularly, just getting up and gone all day, you know, all over the state of Missouri into the Northern Arkansas and all the way back to St. Louis, we would do on a, oh, on a Sunday. Awesome. So that's no saddlebags. Uh, my sissy bar was that tall. You know what I mean? Stuck up, you know, that was it. That was that. And we rode all day on that. So before aftermarket was a big thing. Hmm. I remember you used to go to the Harley shop. I wish we could. Uh, I wish there was videos of what it was like back then. You can't find that sort of mm -hmm. stuff out there. Because I can remember going to the Harley shop, which in the 80s was a cinder block building. 
in Kirkwood, Missouri. It was called Doc's Harley. That was our dealer. Now Doc's is a massive brick resort, you know, sort of dealership like they all are. But Doc's used to be a cinder block building with a showroom floor big enough for four bikes. And there was a parts counter and there was a, a manager's office. And that's where the financing was done. Like, you know, and the parts were, were vacuum sealed onto cardboard. So your Chrome okay. battery cover was just like plastic vacuum sealed, heat sealed or whatever you want to call it onto a piece of cardboard. The cardboard was white with orange letters and it would say genuine Harley Davidson and then a part number, no description, no nothing. So you'd go to the counter. Dad would have ordered things for the bike. They would accidentally, because there was no inventory control, they'd end up on the floor. And you'd go in and, and dad would say, yeah, that oh, that came in. And they would give him the numbers. And then he and I would go through all the parts. Oh, that's looking cool. For the one that had the number on it. Like, I found the battery cover. I found this emblem. I found, you know, and then you would buy it, take it home. And then he'd make me put it on because he wanted me to learn how to do this stuff. But that's what a Harley shop was like in the early mid eighties, you know, and then now that now they're Hilton's, you know, the waterfalls and shit inside. Them. Yeah. Our, our local dealership got bought out and they went with the whole kind of Sturgis bikini girl experience. Like it did a complete one eighty. It's uh it's interesting to see how ownership takes a different approach and how the salespeople mm -hmm. are different. And it's a, it's more aggressive. If that makes sense. It's not, it is. It, it is. I, I'm, I, I don't look forward to the day that there's a dude down here named Corky. That's at uh, Alligator Alley Harley, which is in Sunrise, Florida. It's been owned by several owners, but Corky's been there, I don't know, since 1912. I don't know what year he started, but he's been there a long time. <laughs> and he still sells bikes like an old Harley salesman. And I bought the Ultra from him, and I'm, and I'm already going, man, the day he retires, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. I might, I might start buying bikes used from individuals at that point because <laughs> I, I – I, I myself am in, in sort of a sales and marketing kind of role. And I, and I like just total transparency. We're going to get this done. You're going to sure. make your commission. We're going to work this out, but please don't dance with me. I don't want to do that. I mean, you know, I don't want to play that game. And a lot of the salespeople besides him are 12 and, <laughs> and they've been reading out of a book on how to be shady. And it just, I'm like, no, like, let's just get this done. My new thing oh. is like, open up your wallet. I want to see your MC license. Let's just start the conversation <laughs> there because I'm really not convinced you even know what you're selling at this That's point. really true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there there are some salespeople out there. Don't ride a bike, never have in their life. I had a I had a, a, a younger sales girl try and sell me a brand new Ultra when I was looking at a $12,000 Ultra and was convinced that if I had the credit, it would be the same amount. Because if I had really good credit, it would be cheaper in the interest rate. I'm like, but the bike's three times the price. I'm not sure we're doing the math here. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure that she's financed anything before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the joke was ever since I uh, that, when the one sales guy knew, he's, every time I'd walk in and be like, hey, Brad, let's run your credit while you're here. Let's just run your credit. We <laughs> just can get while you you're here. What the hell? You yeah. never know. You never know. We could probably get I might you be able to sell you a CVO Ultra and save you some money. So, <laughs> and I think it's, it, it's interesting to talk to you, uh, talking to saddle tramp people that have been around that. I didn't grow up in the lifestyle. I didn't ride till I was 40. So it's, it's still, you know, it's 10 years into it for me, but I think it's really good. Like you said, to have those generational stories of like what it was like, you know what I mean? Cause I used to go when I had my Suzuki, I went to a mom and pop and 
you know, I, the, the place was called Bromley's and everyone's last name was Bromley. <laughs> so the mechanic <laughs> was Bromley, go. you know, the sales guy was Bromley and, you know, they would call you up and just be like, yeah, we found a problem with your bike. What's it going to cost me? Uh, nothing. Don't worry about it. Or, you yeah, know, we'll like, figure it, it out. It was just yeah. a different experience, you know. It wasn't going into like a Walt Disneyland where there's a water slide and, you know. Yeah. It's, 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 I mean, today is, yeah, those days are gone and it's kind of sad. But at the same time, you could order a part back then and you had no freaking clue when it was going to come in, if it was ever going to come in. And then when it came in, they'd lose it. And then you had to wait for someone to call you to tell you it's in. They might call you a month and a half after it's already arrived. I mean, like, so, I mean, things are better but you know, as far as in that yeah. sense, but at the same time, there was no personal relationship. And that's, that's, I remember my dad wrecked his bike on the polar bear run one year. Um, he hit black ice and shot his sportster oh. off a cliff. Like, woo! Uh, I did a video about it. It was like a 30 foot embankment. He shot off. Um, when he hit the ground, he used to ride in cowboy boots. The pegs on his bike ripped the cowboy, the, the heels off his cowboy boots because of the impact, you know? Okay. And he broke both of his hands and 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 didn't break any other bones on his hands, but he bruised every organ on his body. And he had to climb up the hill to get rescued and stuff. They craned his bike out. But anyway, the difference is back then, it was like a two-year waiting list to replace the bike. Mm -hmm. So what Harley used to do is they would snap off the, the, the steering, uh, the, the neck of the frame and issue you a new frame with the same VIN number. So the bike wasn't totaled. They would okay. send a brand new frame from the factory with your VIN number re-etched on it. And then you, they would trash the old one. And then the dealer was to ship back the snipped off steering neck. And that's how they would kept, keep the inventory straight. So the bike was never wrecked. It was it was a brand new bike again with the same VIN number. That's how they used to do it. That's crazy. As a, as a matter of fact, though. Because they were friends with with Ralph, who owned Docs, they never sent his steering neck back, and that's on a shelf in my garage. I have the steering neck that was that was snapped off of his. See, his that's that's crazy. No one could do that today. There's laws and rules. And <laughs> anyway, when they were rebuilding his bike, Ralph would call Dad like every week and go, "Hey, uh, the engine casing scratched." Like, yeah, the insurance wants me to buy new engine casings, or I can send them out and have them chrome. And it costs less than buying a new one. So then we can keep that cash and put it in some engine upgrades. And he'd be like, yeah. So, and then he'd go, hey, uh, the carburetor screwed up. I can put an SNS on it. You don't care, right? Like we can do that instead of the factory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this went on. By the time we got that bike back, it was ready for a show. Like it was, the motor was chrome front to back, which was not a thing in the 80s. Mm -hmm. It had an 883 rear, I think it was the rear sprocket you would change out to make it faster on a 1200, but an 83 sprocket. It had an HEI ignition. It had an SNS carb. It had all this engine work done to it. Pistons, everything was done to it. Um, on the way home from the dealer, Dad, being a, a, a speed demon, topped out first and slammed second hard and snapped the belt, snapped the drive belt oh, because geez. they weren't they were crappier back then. They're much stronger sure. today. And then he took it back to the dealer, and and my dad's like, "What did you do to my bike?" He goes, "I made it fast." Just like, just like that was like, you like to go fast. And I made it fast. It's real fast now. Isn't it fast? And dad's like, but it breaks the belt. He goes, well, don't open the throttle up all the way. I don't know what to tell you. Like, uh, you know, and, and, and he goes, well, how do we make it to where it doesn't snap the belt? And he goes, put a chain on it. <laughs> and he goes, I don't want a chain. 
I got up right. He goes, well, then don't. And that was it. Like dad just had to know that he couldn't go fast anymore because he'd break the belt. But that imagine was, that in this day and age? No, no <laughs> one's going to do that. Like everyone's going to go. The EPA came in and audited your motorcycle. You're going to jail. Like it was just like some <laughs> weird shit like that, you know. But So what do you think? Because I remember I remember during the whole dot com boom because I, I work in computers, that, that that's really, to me, what I remember hardly changing. Like you said, there was like two-year wait periods, and, you know, it was crazy. Yeah, it's it's it was the early mid-'90s that it was a two-year wait for anything. Yeah. Because I remember Dad had a black one on order, a black five-speed belt drive sports or 1200, um, when they went from four-speed chain to a five-speed belt. And he ordered a black one, and he had, like, black bikes. Well... He called him and said, you're still another year out for your bike. But we had a guy order a, I remember the color was ruby red, a ruby red oh, five nice. belt ride 1200 Sportster. And then he couldn't get his credit approved. So you used to put a deposit and then get the loan because they didn't mm-hmm. know when it was going to come in. And the guy couldn't get the loan. And so Ralph called him and said, if you'll take red, you can have your new one today. Can you nice. imagine? Yeah. Like, can you imagine like you're on a two year waiting list, you're a year in and they call and say, if you'll take red, you can have it today. You know, and, and that's like my old man was like, my, yeah, he's like, we're getting a red bike. <laughs> I said, he hung up and I was fine. It's red. And we went up and pick up the new one. And for about 24 hours, we had two because he still had his old black four speed chain drive. He put it in the newspaper and it was sold that afternoon. Asking price, like a guy called and said, is it sold yet? No, I'm on my way with hundred dollar bills. Don't, don't sell it. It's sold. And dad was just like the first one that shows up with a stack of hundreds. It's sold. It's you know, sold. like that's it. And the guy drove 300 mile an hour to get to our house with a stack of hundreds and like threw it at him. He was like, there you go. And, and that was, that was what it was like to sell a Harley. And, and the, this was an 80, the bike was an 86, I think. And this would have been 1990, I believe. When he I sold almost it. feel it like just, that's what they're going for again, because I know with our dealership, well, the dealership I get my bike serviced at. There's mm-hmm. there's no touring bikes in stock. Yeah, there's none of mine either. It's just, none. It's crazy. And it, it from a business perspective, it makes sense. Uh, someone's going to kill me. It makes sense to close dealers, reduce inventory, and drive the prices back up like it was when Harley could print money. You know, like that was it was so valuable. But they became this mega machine. In the early 2000s, late, you know, so it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, I think that, I think this new Sportster is awesome. I think they're going to sell a shit ton of them to young guys. I'll, I'll go one further. I like the dealer relationship, but I'd love to see if they did the Tesla thing. Let me order my bike online. <laughs> Just that, totally custom bikes. Because they had that sort cool of thing for a be? while. They had the bike builder, and I thought that was cool because. Huh. There's that. Part I remember of that. You could even yeah. put the air cleaner on it, and the, yeah, that I was used fun. to send my wife screenshots every day. She Me too. Got, she was probably so glad that that thing's done because I'd be like, "And look," and she's like, "What is this? It doesn't matter what it is. I don't even know what it costs. It's look how awesome. cool it is. It's like Hot Wheels." <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's um because let's face it, right? You can make the argument that you buy it and you the first thing you do is toss the windshield and you toss the bars and you toss this and that but there's that part of me it's like wouldn't it be really cool and it would never happen but could harley partner with a an, an Avan black could they partner with a legends of mm. factory oh, 47 wow, yeah you know and let me just get the let me get the bike i want you know what i mean it would and, never happen but god that'd be cool 
Can you imagine? I want, how about this one? I, I want a two into one turnout pipe. So I don't want my bags to have cutouts. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Like yeah. that would be really cool. Yeah. yeah. I want to leave with, you know, 16 inch bars that are, uh, you know, different than the, the small amount that, that Harley makes, which I think is funny because they want to sell you t-shirts, but they don't have a bar selection. You know, they do, <laughs> but it's not this like really great selection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they push oh. it aftermarket. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. It, it used to buy nothing but Harley parts. And if you, they, I remember the posters. I've said this a million times in the video because it's so vivid in my, my mind. These giant posters that used to say, don't butcher your hog with foreign parts. Yeah, because it was American. It was, it was everything was American. The accessories were American. Yeah. The t-shirts were American. Everything was made in America. And now nothing is made like most of your motorcycle is made overseas. It's assembled here. Yeah. But I had this conversation with at Van Black when I was there. They're too nice to say this crap. But I said, so you know, yes, it's they're molded in China and they're painted there and they go through Hong Kong and they're shipped here. And then now what he's trying to do is house most of the product here. And then, you know, have a, 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 a staff that ships and, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's like, but I make it there and I ship it here. But I'm like, well, the OEM bags, where are they made? He goes in a factory 20 minutes away from mine are. Mm-hmm. Like 20 minutes up the road, the factory bags are made. And it's painted. getting missed from their paint shop. <laughs> yeah. And then and then shipped over. But for some reason, we as bikers are like, I won't buy that. It's made in China. I'm like, your factory stuff is who cares anymore? Like. I mean, I care. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's like the reality is this: certain parts are going to be made someplace else. That's just the way that is, you know. Well, yeah, and and two, it's it, it's hard to make the argument when it's it, it's a classic example because I have the Razor Pack. It's hard to make the argument when the quality's there. Why I'm going to spend five hundred hours more? Oh, five hundred. Who are you kidding? You know, I mean, like, you know, like I, I have a, a good friend of mine who's building a custom stereo bag, like a competition bike that he's going to ride. Um, and at tens of thousands of dollars in audio and his 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 rear end, the, the fenders and bags were like custom molded for him and all this stuff. Well, now he needs the new top with the speakers. He does. He's got him. Oh, this thing is sweet. a monster. It is a monster. It's it's a six figure bike. And he's done with it. And the, the difference is going to be he's going to ride it. Like he's like I he goes I made it to where the air ride will raise it so high that I can ride it. Oh, see that. Also, sweet. most of those like stereo bikes have a stock stock engine. The motor's not been messed with. His is bored out one thirty something, giant cam. Like it, it's it's everything in one. Like it's performance. It's also stereo. It's, you know. Um, but anyway, and he's like, I want you to ride it. I'm like, I ain't riding that thing. You're, you're not going to put me on a hundred fifty thousand dollar bike. I will wreck it. Like just because like. You know, 180 horsepower bagger with a. I'm like, no way, no way you're going to get me to ride that thing. But anyway, if you want that custom rear end, you can either pay $6,000 before it's painted, mm-hmm. right? Or you can use one of these manufacturers that makes good stuff that we all know and like, but you don't get to talk smack about it. Go write the, go write the big check then. Well, yeah. And, and to your point, too, it, it's. The, the, if the quality's there, I was saying just the 500 hour difference in the tour pack, let alone mm-hmm. if you start adding in, you know, ridiculous amounts of stuff, mm-hmm. it's insane. And, and like you said, there's the, yeah, it, it's, it's really funny. It's nutty. Right down the street. 
it's just nutty. It's all made in the same area. What's the big deal? You know, yeah. it's 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 the old design. It's the Apple thing. It's designed in California. It's made you know in some third world country where people are jumping out the windows. But you know, it's designed <laughs> in California. It's totally cool. I my thing was the paint. Like when I first you know started ordering these these the body parts, I was like, man, is it going to look as good as I want it to? Mm-hmm. I, I used to I used to be an estimator at a body shop many many years ago. So I'm obsessed about orange peel about having good finish and when it showed up and i opened it i was like that's so good like the, it's just it's just glass my saddlebags are perfect did they so, frisk you uh, when you left <laughs> they should have <laughs> i did one of the things at the video today i i accidentally actually stole something like i it was i'm in their showroom and I'm talking to the, the, the peeps and I'm and as a joke, there's a shelf with those stainless yeah, steel bag guards and I snatched them. I actually left with them. Like I like and I and I got back to my hotel and I was like, oh no. That was their display. Like it was on the shelf. So I, I immediately got on the line with them and I'm I'm texting with the boss there. It was just a I love that dude to death. And I go, I actually took those things. I'm so sorry. I will bring them to you tomorrow morning. He goes, keep them. It's, I don't care. Whatever. It's fine. I know you didn't mean to. It's fine. Then I get home today. Dude, they don't fit my bags. They're the wrong ones. <laughs> so I've got them and they don't fit. I'm like, oh, I, so I stole these things and they're for the CDO style bag, not the super stretch bag like I have. So it's not the same shape. And I have these things that don't even fit. Like, so I suck as a thief is the moral of that story. Uh, you, yeah, I was... Yeah, you look you look like uh Will, the Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, like you were gonna start just grabbing stuff. <laughs> oh, I'm walking through going, I don't have a custom stereo, but I'll take them giant bag lids and the giant sewer pack lid and no that we couldn't fix. <laughs> you know, like I yeah, I'm, I'll need I'll I'll need them someday, you know. Because <laughs> they make awesome. all that stuff. They make the tour pack lid that has like subwoofer openings and stuff. I saw and- that. I was like, like, I don't need that, but that wouldn't stop me from I buying want it. it. <laughs> I don't need it, but I want it, you know. Blasting some Neil Diamond while I'm rocking down the road. <laughs> <laughs> well, sir, I really appreciate it. So you're going to be at Sturgis, so anyone yep. who's there gets a chance to meet. And I'll put a link to all your socials. And you're, you're not super active besides YouTube, right? You're not on the TikTok or anything? No, I have I feel like Instagram. you could be a good TikToker. I, 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 yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I'm just gonna leave that alone. Um, I, I, uh, I, I have an Instagram, but I, all I use it is to communicate about stuff about the videos. Cause mm-hmm. I suck at that. My wife's like really good at the Instagram. She's four years younger than me may as well be 25. Like yeah, we are a weird? different generation in four years. So she's like really good at the like cell phone photography stuff. So I keep telling her, I'm like, would you please just install the pro monkey Instagram account on your phone and go to town. Yeah. Handle like, the nope. social. Nope. Not going to do it. She won't do it. Oh man. I'm like, so you're not so, at the level yeah. where you're outsourcing yet. No, no, that day. I can totally understand dudes to do it though. I used to, I used to go like, are you really, do you need all that? And you're like, yeah, you do. At a certain point where you're like, I can't keep up with the comments and the emails and the whatnot. So I have an Instagram account that's pro monkey writer. I have a Facebook page, which is fun. That's pretty active that's pro monkey then that's like people comment and we talk it's a i set it up as a business page just for fun and and whatnot so yeah no it's we have a good time on that but and it's interesting YouTube. too how facebook is so different than instagram versus youtube like they're all they're unique i feel like facebook's got a lot of pent up 
hostility. <laughs> it does. It's great. Now my, my group's been pretty cool about okay, just communicating, good. you know, like, Hey, we're doing this at this thing. What do you think of that? And people comment and they'll, like, you should do a video on this. I'm like, all right, yeah, I'll do that. That's cool. You know, like it's been really, it's been really fun, but I feel like just around the corner, it's going to go nuts. Yeah. Cause it's only about, well, it's only as old as the channel, which is sure. five months. So, I mean, I think it's like I said before, we're off camera. I think it's great what you're doing for the community and bringing people together because that's not something that, without going into it, it's you know, there's there's a lot of I don't like conflict. Yeah, you know, let's and just it, be it's us. not necessary. We should all we should all hold hands and sing kumbaya and have a good time. I don't understand the exactly. Conflict, man. There's we're all at different places in our lives. Let's just you know. Let's just have fun. Let's do There's so much both. fun that could be had. Yep. You know, we don't we don't need to fight about it. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's, I think it's and one if of you're around that... bikers enough, there's a line you cross and, and not to sound preachy or whatever. But there is a line you cross where when you've done decades in the saddle and you look around the room and the brothers and sisters that you work with and whatever club or organization you're in and you realize how different they are than you. And, it, and were it not for this community, you would probably never see eye to eye and raise a glass together. But you're connected somehow through this community. And so my friends in my real life look nothing like me. I don't look like them. We're incredibly different backgrounds, but yet we go to bat for each other all day, every day. And that's the way this is supposed to be. Yeah. You know, we're supposed to be different and yet on each other's side we're supposed to have each other's back that's what bikers do and i think that if you don't get that you don't you're missing something you don't get it yeah you know? i mean to me we, we as a community we only grow by lifting each other up we don't absolutely we don't, you don't grow by standing on the back of someone and pushing them backwards yeah yeah no, there's no, no that. that's not how it works that's right I that's the positive message too. thanks for coming to church <laughs> <laughs> don't make the plates going by you know, make right. sure that you <laughs> Make sure you pick up your monkey merchandise on the way out. Hit right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Two shirts, the price of one today. I don't know. You know. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Well, I really appreciate it. I have no to, problem. I do have to close this out by, I'm very good friends with the gorilla biker and I'm going to have to tell him he's got to step his game up because he's not the professional gorilla biker. So. Oh, <laughs> I, maybe he could be your apprentice. You know, maybe he could work at it. Right, right. Stay in well, school, work hard, take your vitamins. You too could yeah, be a professional. You could be a professional someday. <laughs> Just go down an alleyway in Mexico and there you go. There you go, right? It's uh, What is it? The uh, the, the greatest ideas come from the, uh, the craziest. Uh, I don't know. I was going somewhere with that. Something along that. I'm, I'm yeah. with you. I'm totally with you, though. All right. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. And make sure you check out uh, Professional Monkey online on YouTube. Thanks again. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Rider. Please be sure to subscribe to follow along with this series as well as subscribe to my YouTube channel, Bry the Biker, and follow me on Instagram at Bry the Biker. If you'd like to be considered a guest for this podcast, please send me a message on Instagram. As always, please stay safe and remember you are not alone. Thanks for listening.